This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 100 for the week of January 11th, 2016. (laughs) I am Changing Times, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Sarah Bunting, Sarah D. Bunting. (laughs) Class Uprising, it me. Helpful homosexual, (laughs) Joe Reed. Would you like some help with that? Pink Queen, Tar Ariano. (laughs) Bow at my feet, Malton Shortback Show. And sexual sexual go-between, Nick Reinwell-Jones. Do you want him to put your bits into his bits or don't you? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> it's Downton Abbey time. Yes. Yay. I meant Yay. fat back show, not short back show. I think I mixed up <laughs> fat back and short ribs, maybe. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, Downton Abbey has returned. and We all have a willingness to return to Downton of greater or less degrees. Uh, so we are here with Nick Reinwald Jones. Hello, Hi. Nick. Hi, Nick. Hey, Nick. Uh, creator of the breathtakingly important Downton Abbey with Farts uh, video clips on the site, which we will link to the past ones in the show notes. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Maybe. I don't want to say My greatest triumph. Your most important work, but I don't want to not be. say that I, either. I'm, I'm okay with it being my most important work. <laughs> All right. So Downton Abbey's back. It's its sixth and final season. <clears throat> As we record this, episode two has just aired in this country. Of course, the entire season, including the Christmas special, already aired in the UK. Um, and uh, spoiler alert, it's a changing world. Mm-hmm. Some yep. people are cool with <laughs> it. Yep. Some people aren't. Did you guys notice that it's 1925? Because it's 1925. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 1925. What? No one looks any different than they did when the show began, which no. was supposedly <laughs> yeah. 1911 or 12, whatever year the Titanic sank, I forget. Um, and uh, after a season premiere where they dispensed with an impressive amount of plot for this show, like they brought up a blackmail plot against Lady Mary and her premarital sexcapades and like dealt with it all in one episode, which is like fucking unprecedented considering how long the Bates's murder raps have dragged on. But now it's season it's episode two and everything is going to be dragged out again. It looks like including the fucking hospital plot line, which show of hands. Oh my God. Who cares about the hospital? I could not tell you what happened in any of those hospital scenes because my ears glazed over every time they started talking about it. (laughs) Literally cutting off my hand so I can't raise. <laughs> I just and how, how annoying! Like one of the few characters that I, for one, still enjoy, the Dowager yeah. C, is marooned in this craptastical boar zone. I just don't <laughs> well, understand the what they're trying to do to me. Yeah, yeah. Their storylines are usually so fun together, and it's just yeah, it's this quicksand of boring and dull and there there are ways to make the estate stuff kind of interesting right like i feel like the stuff with mary isn't as bad yeah where at least she can sort of you know swan around town with her you know modern get-ups and whatever and scandalize the menfolk yeah i love mary and i love her in this role (laughs) i think her as the agent is the best um, and her scene with uh, Mr. Finch was one of my favorites in the latest episode. Where, well, hold on to your hat. <laughs> he just makes that face like, uh, okay, bitch, whatever. <laughs> like he's so unprepared for her to say that she's the 
solo agent. But yeah, I think the the estate stuff is the most interesting because it also affects the downstairs people, as we saw also in this episode with regard to Thomas, who's basically been told no one wants your ass around here anymore. Find another job in a hurry and is finding like there are none. Pardon? Finally. Yeah, finally. Not that even if he leaves mid-season, not that we'll be rid of him, because we're getting these Chrissy Snow-style updates about other people who are on the show. Like, I'm surprised uh, What's-His-Nuts, who got killed in the car wreck. Um, Matthew? Is n- oh, Matthew. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Is not sending, like, telegrams from the beyond via sales. <laughs> Actually, someone's... De- well, shit, it's already over, but I wish they'd taken that idea, because it would be a lot more interesting than Anna's inept parts or whatever the non-technical yeah. term was like if i <laughs> if i rank all these plot lines from most to least interesting it's like the possibility of edith getting killed is at the top <laughs> and then everything else is tied for last because i don't i just don't care like i just wanted to end yeah <laughs> well i i mean i had this this was this was my major bone of contention with this episode as you will have seen if you read my post about it which is the breathtaking selfishness of Edith Crawley, monster on Earth, because this whole episode, mostly the the main thrust of it, although that's, you know, arguable, was about um, Marigold, her secret child, and her having returned to the farm where she was being raised in secret as, like, Edith's friend's foundling child or something. The Drews were basically raising Marigold and and Edith was fine with it for a while, but then she started showing up too much to the point where Mrs. Drew was like, tell that bitch to stay home, and she had to. And then she changed her mind and snatched up Marigold and admitted to Mrs. Drew that she was her natural, or her biological mother, and now Marigold went back and Mrs. Drew was all clingy at at her and then she snatched her up from the Malton (laughs) Fat Pack show. (laughs) And it was a scandal, but the end of it was... Then the, all of the Crawleys go to this to the farm because the Drews are tenants uh, on their estate, and and we're like, okay, we'll take the kid back, and also you have to leave. <laughs> like, okay, but at the same time, like as I wrote, why can't Edith just take this kid and go and live in her vacant apartment in London? If the if the yeah. issue is the Drews, you know, Mrs. Drew should not be able to gaze upon Marigold because it'll make her crazy and want to kidnap her again. Like, there are other ways to do this than to rob this tenant farmer family of their livelihood because Edith couldn't keep her legs crossed or <laughs> let their Whoa. child be adopted by either of the two other families that were prepared to take it when she wouldn't have an abortion. There, I said it! Or so Edith dies. responsible for naming it Marigold. Ugh. That's on Edith, too, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah I think so. Stroll into traffic and get run over by a Model A anytime. <laughs> you're the worst. And I know that it's like not the fashion on the internet to take up for Mary in the Mary versus Edith thing, and everyone's like, "No, oh, she's so mean to Edith." Like, wait, Edith really? So that be he- mean toable? Yes. Ugh. Edith is a is a perpetual victim up until this point, and this is the episode where, for me, she really <laughs> turns a corner into being terrible because there were, as I said, there are other ways she could have handled this, and this is the worst one. Uh, yeah, the Mary Edith dynamic is fantastic, and I really like that everybody else in the family is super aware. It's like, oh, you can't tell Mary about the baby because she would use it as a weapon. Like, yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's good her advice, mother Mom. saying it, yeah. and her mother is a hundred percent right. Yeah, but uh, God I'm bless Mary. Easily the most sympathetic to Edith of everybody here, I would think, and I, the Mary rolling her eyes at every angle for Edith is like my favorite. <laughs> So like there are there are ways to do both. Yeah. I tend to feel 
Fort Edith a little bit on the show just because of like, you know, it can't have been easy to be pregnant and unmarried at this time of the era. Blah, of blah, course. Blah. And also, you can't just go snatching babies. Thank you, lady tenant farmer. Like, I'm, I, my sympathy for her only goes so far. But I think your point about her, you know, hightailing it to London and raising the kid there, away from her sister's rolling eyes, mm-hmm. let's mention, um, would probably be good. And then she could run that newspaper and hire Thomas as her gossip columnist uh-huh. solving the <laughs> problems. Yeah. Oh my uh-huh. God, I never uh-huh. even thought of that. You are so oh, right. Yeah. Well, the thing about Edith, though, is it's not that you know you can forgive the you know minor kidnapping. It's that she set them up. <laughs> she set them up for failure. Right. I mean, that's the, the Druze. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, you know, it's like, okay, sure. You know, don't take the baby and take it home. But in the other hand, you know, don't set them up to be in that position where yeah. you made them fall Tempting in love with a very... kid named Mary Gold, which is no small feat. <laughs> and then you snatch it away. Also... She's dangling that baby in front of them, just kidnapping baby. <laughs> I think the sequel then to Downton Abbey should be like you take one third of the cast and the they're basically making that magazine. And becomes mm, sort yeah. of the urban version of Downton Abbey. Through World War II time. Yeah. 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 Well, we've already mm. heard tell of this Herr Hitler and all of his what? all of his monkey shines last last season he came up. And unfortunately Lord, Bavaria, Bra- Lord Grantham is already yeah. invested in Hitler. Yeah. She <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so would, you're totally right. <laughs> Great new business venture family. <laughs> Three <laughs> five hundred liters of brown dye. What's that for? <laughs> well, that was the biggest surprise for me in the season premiere was that he uh, he was able to pay off the blackmailer with 50 pounds because I wouldn't have thought he had access to the family money anymore after his many yeah. other financial fuck-ups. That was his monthly allowance. And <laughs> if he yeah. wants to go into town and get the papers, he's going to have to borrow money from Cora. <laughs> Isn't this literally like the fourth time that someone has tried to blackmail someone, Lord Grantham has like, said something heroic and written a check, and that person has gone away? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. He's like uh, Pablo Escobar from Narcos. <laughs> <laughs> he just pays The silver pays or the lead. Away. Yeah, silver <laughs> or lead. Take your choice. Uh, yeah, what was the other storyline? Oh, Carson and Carson and Mrs. Hughes's wedding, and uh, Mrs. Hughes already being pissed off about how much Carson loves Lady Mary more than he loves her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, who can well, blame? She's going to have to make her peace with that one, because that one's not going no, away. No, yeah. it is not. <clears throat> if you like Mr. Carson, get all your loving right now, because he kind of, uh, you know, that, that what's happening in this episode kind of continues for a bit. It's not yeah. doesn't put him in the best light. No, I mean, he he sort of turns it around, but yeah. yes, there's a few episodes where he's not, not being the greatest husband he the world has ever seen. demonstrates he is a man of his time. Let's put it that way. Some some more. Yeah. Some more than his, than his usual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, I think Dave and I are the only ones who have watched ahead. We've flown to England and seen through episode seven of nine. Have you, you guys are just watching on PBS or not at all in Sarah's case? Oh, no, I'm still, I'm still watching. I got sucked into this, so I'm just going to see it through. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just coming first, too. Yeah. I feel like I watched the, um, part of that preview special they had last week with Uh Kelly O'Hara hosting. Sure. Sort of like the moments of our lives, Downton Abbey. And I'm so, (laughs) 
susceptible to that kind of thing. Like, if you ever started a religious cult based on, like, nostalgia for a TV season ending, <laughs> like, I would be, like, in white robes right now, I feel like. So I, I totally got caught up in that whole, like, it is an end of an era. Like, these people work together. And then, so, like, I'm I'm now invested in how it wraps up. Yeah. Um, even though I'm not super interested in, for example, Bates and Anna doing anything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Bates and Anna doing anything. That's basically, they're my avatar for like terrible, horrible, boring Downton Abbey storylines. Now, this already came up in our mini that was published as we record this today, but I hate Daisy. Where do the rest of you stand on <laughs> Daisy's pinkosity in season six? She, it, it has been whatever it's been, 14 years? What did we establish? Yeah. Yeah, 14 years. Yeah. And uh, you're right. She still is acting like a 16-year-old or whatever she was supposed to be at the start of this series. And uh, that is weird because, like, yeah, shouldn't she be ready to like take over for Mrs. Patmore by now? Like, in yeah, she's kind of rational timeline. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I kind of have to credit her that she hasn't like gone crazy and started murdering everybody after being like just Mrs. Patmore's assistant for like 14 years. I mean, yeah, she had to say something. I guess Did she? hot cross buns aren't going to ice themselves. <laughs> as much as I don't like Daisy. Uh, I like the character because it's led to the ascendancy of Mosley, who is my favorite, uh, my That's favorite true. guy. Right, Mosley was a good yeah. underdog. Yeah, I like him. He just like he was such a sad sack for such a long time, and he such had bad luck with you know everything plus his hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that oh, uh, now that Poor he's kid. sort of you know um, having some personal success, um, I'm happy. I'm happy for him. And uh, I kind of like I like his character a lot, so I'm happy for uh, Daisy in that regard. That he enable she enables Mosley's uh, better traits throughout this season. So, yes. not to bring it back to Thomas one more time, no, but please. because we've gotten the repetition of Andy says he's going to do something. Thomas says I could help you with that. Andy's like, no thanks, bro. <laughs> Somebody pulls Thomas aside and is like, you really should watch yourself. Like twelve different times we've got that. Yeah, right? at least with like different people filling in for like the the concerned friend at the end, right? Yeah. Is there any possible way they're building up to anything actually with Thomas and Andy? Or are they just like running out of things to fill the hour? Because um, they keep going back to it. Yeah, I don't know. I think that the issue is that we're we're supposed to think that this is Thomas like actually trying to become nice. Like maybe the example of Baxter has shamed him. But also right. that he's, you know, he also likes Andy maybe that way, but maybe not. And, like, he's 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 concerned that the rest of the staff has poisoned Andy against even being friends with him yeah. because he is that way. <clears throat> but that's that's his that's his loop. Right. I yes. mean, that's 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 been him throughout yes. the series. I have a question about Thomas and his interview with the other whatever lord of butler lord of, of jerk jerkington of, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so you know he, he, he's having this interview and basically during the interview the guy's like well you got to be everything you got to be my chauffeur my butler my valet you got to shine my shoes and you know make my tang in the morning and everything like that right <laughs> wasn't him he was just the butler but yes uh, okay but how did he uh kind of figure out that thomas was gay because he didn't like, it didn't seem that overt to me in the show. Mm-hmm. Was it just that he wasn't a super man? You know, like, what was the tell there? Because I, I didn't feel like that was 
you know, because he goes through a laundry list, like, oh, you're unmarried, yeah. but then, like, it's everybody's yeah. unmarried in that house. I anyways, just assume so. that there's, like, on the sliding scale of masculinity from, yeah. like, now till then, like, being Thomas being as he is now is, like, the equivalent of, like, Frankie Grande on Big Brother being, like, flouncing around in hot pants. Or <laughs> okay. Like, that sort of... Yeah, that was my question, yeah. Okay. Like, so if you don't is... answer the question about being married with saying, like, no, but I sure love to put my penis in women. Like, then they're, like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like you're gay. Fucking, I'll tell you what. <laughs> All right. I thought maybe there was some sort of code happening with him talking about like why he was leaving his previous position, mm. and then maybe this guy's gaydar or whatever the twenties version of gaydar was, the gaydagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the that, that sort of matter, dar. <laughs> yeah, but he also said you're a delicate looking thing, which made me wonder like, does he have extra long hair for the time or something? Like, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, there there could be all kinds of things that we don't know, or it could be just yeah. Julian Fellow's lazy storytelling. A little bit of semen in the corner of his mouth. Confident about <laughs> driving. <laughs> Sorry, what was that, Jeff? I said a little bit of semen at the corner of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Perez Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Downton Abbey, uh, season six. Um, I don't know, Tara, we've watched ahead without spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, are people going to be satisfied? I think so. Yeah. Uh, some big stuff is coming, especially next week. There's a big event. Well, the wedding, as you will have probably seen in the scenes for next week, the, the Carson Hughes wedding does occur. Um, but there's other stuff that happens with that. And then we get to see the early days of their marriage, as we alluded to, which is fun to see the two of them in like a different, you know, seeing them be in a relationship like at home and in a familiar <coughs> way. Uh, the hospital thing, as I said, we've watched through it's episode seven. It's still happening. <laughs> it just goes Believe it or not. Like right now. <laughs> in fact, they just shut down all hospitals in England. <laughs> Lord Grantham just wants to avoid the issue altogether. So he just decides that nobody should be sick anymore. Yeah. But um, there's new stuff coming for Edith and uh, new stuff coming for Mary and some beloved characters from some past Christmas specials come back and look hot. And um, hey. yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think other than the hospital storyline, the rest of it is pretty sa- has been as satisfying to me. You will be disappointed to find <laughs> out that uh, there is no Animal House ending, <laughs> where they just put Chirons over all the freeze frames of them doing goofy stuff. Well, we don't know. Oh, we haven't true. seen the series finale yet. So that, that might... Don't, don't don't promise stuff that might actually that's true. happen. <laughs> then again, Downton Abbey does have death mobiles, just like uh, Animal House. So who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> All right, everybody, it's time to talk about extra hot, great ads. You should be buying them. They're $50 for a personal ad. Wish somebody a happy birthday, a happy anniversary, a happy you're a good friend, or tell them they suck. It's still 50 bucks. $100 if you want to do a business ad. Perhaps you have an online store to promote. Perhaps you have, uh, I don't know. You have your own podcast, maybe, or a website. It's none of our business. It's your business. $100 for an extra hot, great business ad. If you're interested, go to previously.tv slash ads and fill out the form there, and I'll get in touch with you, and we'll figure it out. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. That sportsy theme can only mean... <laughs> That Smooth Joey Apollo is here, and Smooth Joey Apollo is going to talk about the Golden Globes. (laughs) Hollywood's Night of Nights, except for the Oscars and the SAG Awards and other things. (laughs) Um, 
the Golden Globe Awards, everybody. How did everybody? First of all, I want to take the temperature of the room. How did everybody like that outrageous Ricky Gervais? Uh, did not watch. The same as no always. Comment. <laughs> question mark. I didn't watch. Well, I'm just going to answer that for you. I just have one question. He's terrible. Uh, I just have a question about Ricky Gervais. Yes. Do you think he uh, believes in God? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. God, we'll have to look on God the internet the only... and find out. <laughs> Yeah, God was the only celebrity who didn't uh, get uh, scathing tongue lashing from Ricky Gervais last night. Um, No, he was mostly just not funny, I feel like, was the consensus for him last night, which Mm -hmm. is the reaction I would prefer him to get over people being, like, offended by him because that's all he wants. Right. So um, that part of it was whatever. The TV awards, um, which I mostly want to talk about. What the hell? Yeah. They're, it's and and I generally feel like with the Golden Globes that I, I tweeted last night. I was like, it's all important for all of us to remember that there is no such thing as deserving a Golden Globe. And I do <laughs> believe that. I believe that in movies about like eighty percent. I believe that three hundred percent in TV because the TV <laughs> awards are never really about taking sort of stock of the year on television or even like qualitatively like you know, judging performances, it's very much like, uh, I think it was Margaret Lyons at Vulture, maybe, or somebody at Vulture, who said that the Golden Globe TV Awards are like attending a cocktail party where somebody's like, hey, you heard about that Outlander? (laughs) Because the Golden Globes are just sort of like, I've seen this thing. It looks pretty cool. I think I'm going to vote for it. And whoever bought low on the Mozart and the Jungle stock, like, congratulations to you folks. (laughs) Now, I will admit that I haven't watched it since the pilot. Me neither. But that pilot was so incredibly terrible. It was so bad. We're talking F minus bad and cringeworthy and everything. Super bad. Even if it improved 1,000%, we're still still only C+. so shitty. Like, there's, I mean, I know it was comedy or musical, and maybe they were like, we're voting for it as the musical, not a comedy, so that they could say... That's the reason it won over shows that are funny, which this one, in my experience, is not. But still, what the fuck? Yeah, I've talked to people who uh, I whose opinions I trust and who did end up liking it. And they all agree that the pilot was the worst part. I've had that same reluctance to go back to it for that same reason. Um, Although I do think I will end up checking it out. It may be just jumping right into the second season and, and stop, you know, forgetting that urge to to catch up. But, um, yeah, that was really weird. I always tend to bet on the Globes going for something they haven't rewarded before, which generally, I think my thing with the TV awards this year were, like, if they told, like, a co- coherent story, I would probably be better with it. But then they'll throw in, like, Mozart in the Jungle and, like, Mr. Robot winning big with John Hamm winning for Mad Men, which, like, doesn't fit in the Golden Globe mentality at all. Really. <clears throat> right. In that he's like the oldest of old news in that category. Yeah, it should have been the Pablo Escobar guy from Narcos, like to be more Golden Globesy. Oh yeah, like I was expecting him, or I was really expecting Rami Malek because, like, I knew they would end up liking Mr. Robot, and I would have liked Rami Malek to get the the Golden Globe over, you know, Christian Slater. Yeah, just because, like, I don't know, that was a little bit of a bummer. Where it's just like, God, of all these people on all these, you know, new shows and we're going to haul out Christian Slater, who <laughs> was my least favorite part of Mr. Robot. And I don't know. Um, I didn't mind him because it was right in his lane, but it's right yeah. in his lane. Yeah. Like, I don't, we're really going to reward 
typecasting now? Right. Okay. Right. But then The Martian is apparently a musical, so I don't know what the fuck's <laughs> that going was on. It is an extravaganza. <laughs> and apparently even Ridley Scott got up and was like, comedy? Okay. <laughs> like, I know yeah. that they submit in their own category, but that's a real, real reach. They don't, though. Not at the Golden Globes, because if oh. you notice, like, uh, Rooney Mara and Alicia Vikander, who were both... Uh, in lead actress at the Golden Globes because that's what they actually are in right. Carol and the Danish Girl. Right. Um, they're both in supporting at the SAG Awards because you are allowed to uh, choose your category. There. Oh. The Golden Globes choose it for you. Gotcha. The Oscars do nothing. The Oscars are just like you know that's on y'all voters. Like so, mm. voters are able to vote for them whoever. But the Golden Globes like sometimes will take a very strong arm in that, which is what made it really weird that they were like, no, we'll allow the Martian to go as a comedy only so it will you know what i mean the only reason to put it there is so that it would have no real competition to right win this picture <clears throat> and it did so um similar to i mean joy is definitely a comedy it's just a very oddly made movie yeah um and jennifer lawrence like they're apparently just never gonna not award jennifer lawrence <laughs> i actually think she's really good in that movie and i actually think that amy schumer for you know, as an actress, she's a very good comedian, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and Trainwreck had its issues. So I'm not like, again, no such thing as deserves. And I really feel like, you know, Amy Schumer, I'm fine with Amy Schumer not winning an acting award for that. But like Melissa McCarthy and Spy was right there. And Spy was really funny. And she's really good in that. So anyway, um, I feel like the whole thing went off the rails with Lady Gaga winning, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, she, her her performance as someone who's been covering that whole season, it's very uh, inconsistent. There's some yeah. scenes where she really <laughs> nails it, and there's others where she's terrible. So I think yeah. that was just a case of, like, she's the most famous person in this category that we can imagine, and she'll wear something pretty, and let's give it to her. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio will recoil from her in horror <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the delight of gift makers anywhere. Yep. That was very interesting. Yeah. I love the idea of Leonardo DiCaprio getting this, like, protracted standing ovation. He's won three Golden Globes Seriously. It's not like the Oscars where, like, you know, he's poor, you know, Oliver just, you know, going back up to the table and hoping that they'll give him something. Like, the Golden Globes have given him plenty. Like, they don't have to act like this is a long time coming kind of thing. Yeah. But that was funny. Him and Stallone getting the standing ovations, that's sort of your clue as to where things will go for the Oscars. I think all those other winners that we saw last night in the movie categories may or may not repeat at the Oscars, but those two, I think you could sort of like feel it in the room that people were eager to see them win awards. So, Well, all I have to say about it not having watched it is that I called Rachel Bloom winning for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend when she was nominated because the Golden yep. Globes loves a first-time ingenue and she was the closest that they had in the category, so hooray for me. Yep, and I and her, too. I guess, secondarily. the one thing i can say about both uh to explain both lady gaga and mozart in the jungle is like knowing that the the hollywood foreign press is basically like the committee of international grandparents um and and like whoever it's like you win by being good at like having lunch with them like i can totally see jason schwartzman being amazing at just like talking to like you know these like old ladies and stuff and making Mm -hmm. them feel loved and stuff and same with lady gaga actually i think she would have i think lady gaga would give good parent to quote uh to quote Crazy totally Ex-Girlfriend. Totally <laughs> right. got practice from uh, making all those albums with Tony Bennett. That would explain exactly. the bowls ah, of Werther's true. Originals on the table, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that it, Joe? That's all. All right. 
There's there's just no segueing really, is there, into <laughs> The Blotter Presents. And this week we'll be talking about a History Channel joint from a few years back called The Hunt for John Wilkes Booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a little bit hard to get your hands on. Uh, it is available on Netflix, but only on DVD. And it is one of those, um, I don't know if anyone else does this. I know our esteemed colleague, John Ramos does it, but the obsessive, like churning of the Netflix DVD queue (laughs) to roll all the very long wait stuff up to the top so that when it's finally available, it's right near the top. This had been bumping around in like the 200s for (laughs) probably five years and got the bump with the long wait designation, and then it showed up over New Year's, and I was like, this bitch? (laughs) Because it's a History Channel special, you really don't expect much, but I did want to talk about it because it is based on uh, one of the books about uh, the manhunt for Booth, not Manhunt, but the other one. Um, I've read them both and recommend them, but usually these History Channel joints are like, it's really a lot of repetition uh, where the ad breaks go, The talking heads are not very interesting. The author of the book is not, like, apparently was not told he would be on television and was wearing (laughs) an unfortunate dollar store sweater and that sort of thing. And the reenactments, I mean, it's the History Channel. They go through a lot of fucking (laughs) reenactors and it it shows. Like, the History Channel's been around for a while, so his investigation discovery and the the reenactor pool... They're, they're way down by the, the mildewy part where the salvagers <laughs> live, but the reenactments in this case are pretty good. Mostly there's no dialogue, so that's probably why. It can be a little repetitive at the ad breaks, but they do assume that you're watching because you already care, and they're not going to repeat everything 58 times. They do put some interesting facts in, like the fact that the guy who actually shot Booth, spoiler, I guess, <laughs> at the end of his life, um, was hailed as a hero and did like vaudeville speaking tours and then checked into a mental hospital where he stayed for like a decade and then just walked off one night in his <laughs> nighty and was never seen again. So that's oh. kind of interesting. Yeah. The vanishing of Boston Corbett. Like someone mm-hmm. should do a whole special on him. Sounds like shooting booth um, took its toll. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you done? Bye, everybody. Yeah, if it shows up as something that's recommended by your queue or you're interested in this topic, but um, don't feel like reading a whole book and would rather just cram your intel about this into 90 minutes, I recommend The Hunt for John Wilkes Booth. It's from the History Channel. I will uh, link in the show notes or, and or see if it's possibly streaming somewhere uh, legally. So that we all may enjoy it. Awesome. It is time to go around the dial. First stop is Tara. Uh, Dave and I this weekend, we were lucky enough to get the the whole first season of TBS's Angie Tribeca uh, screeners. And we watched all 10. Boy, oh boy, is this a stupid, funny, stupid, stupid, really funny show. Yeah. It's really oh, good. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. It's really good. It's, um, the I don't know what, I think Alan Zappenwell was the one who tweeted like he doesn't get what was going on with the initial marketing campaign that made it look like a darkness at noon type of thing. But um, it's it's more like Police Squad. It's just like goofy. It's Police Squad. It is Police it is Squad. Police it's squad. it's yeah. wall to wall, just joke, 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 like a, like a, like, but it's very like much squad. that Abram Zucker, Abram, or For, Zucker, Abram Zucker. Completely. Uh, 
airplane, top secret, yep. naked gun yep. style comedy. Yeah. Um, so Rashida nice. Jones uh, is the star. She plays the titular Angie Tribeca. Hayes MacArthur, who I've loved since the not that great show I really enjoyed, Perfect Couples. <laughs> Um, he's her her new partner's Jay Giles, and um, the Jerry Burns plays their lieutenant, who is hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then there's That's like Win Dixie from yeah, Justified. not Win Dixie, Win Duffy. Win Dixie is a grocery store. Grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> that would Win Dixie would be a name on this show, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then there's like lots of the uh, Steve Carell and and Nancy Walls Carell. Uh, co-created and co-produce it so there's a lot of like you know um groundling and second city people in it john michael higgins is uh the bad guy in one of them god who else lots of people you would recognize anyway alfred molina is oh yeah alfred molina is like their their uh forensics guy (laughs) who has a lot of different yeah and he every episode he has a different like um affliction and then he just like stops having it like he'll have an eye patch and then he'll just take it off but it's different every episode (laughs) this is the kind of thing that you're gonna see it's so idiotic the the cold open um i don't want to spoil it but if you watch true detective season two you will howl Howl laughing at it. Um, I can't I can't praise the show enough. It's so dumb and so enjoyable. So apparently TBS is gonna show um twenty-five hours worth of this show <laughs> starting on Sunday, the seventeenth of January. So next Sunday, if you're hearing this right when it comes out, and they're just gonna show it over and over and over again. And then season two starts on the twenty-fifth of January. We have not seen any of that, but if it's anything like this, uh can't wait. So Big yeah. thumbs up to Angie Tribeca. It, it is really good. I will say, watching 10 episodes, I only had like two quibbles, really. I mean, not all the jokes land perfectly. There was two two things that I... There's, there's a product placement joke in the first episode, which I thought was overdone <clears throat> and was kind of, you know, just was a dud. And the other one is that they do some like direct copying of the Zucker Abram Zucker jokes, which... Don't really come off as like, you know, uh, yeah, the, they do the all together now joke. You know, this is a different kind of thing altogether. It's a different kind of thing. They do that joke and they do the pillow joke from Naked Gun hospital scene where he throws the pillow and the pillow sticks to the face and they're running around with the pillow on. Um, that happens halfway through the season. But like that's like for 10 episodes worth. Those are my only two. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, things. So that's yeah, it's really good. Definitely yeah, but check if you, it out. If, if you like, you like the live action shows on Adult Swim, like NTSF, SDSUV or Children's Hospital yeah. um, and us saying it's like Police Squad means nothing to you, you will probably like this. Also, so. Rashida Jones is a really good comic actress. Yeah, she's funny. She's she really for someone who has to be 100 percent deadpan the whole time. She's she still manages to do it. Yeah, I think she. Yeah, I mean, like. She was okay in the office, I thought, but like this really, like her comic timing is is really good. Yep. Yep. I had a plug. Nick. I had a plug. You moved on from me first. Aren't we doing plugs here? My plug is uh, it's mid-season, so we have a whole bunch of new show fact sheets on the site. Last week we had Pitch Slapped, Killing Fields, uh, Angel from Hell, Billions, uh, and this week we will have Shadowhunters, <laughs> Second Chance, the Frankenstein show on uh, Fox, uh, Idiot Sitter, and uh, the aforementioned Angie Tribeca if you want to see it in more detail, so check those out at previously.tv. Okay, move on. <clears throat> All right, now, Nick. Okay. Um, so I, I just wanted to talk briefly about Sherlock, the Abominable Bride, which I finally caught up with last night. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I was 
mildly skeptical about the fact that they were doing a uh, a period version of it because I just like the fact that Sherlock is set in present day so much, and I just think that they nailed it so well, like transferring the the concepts of it to to present day. So I thought it might be a little too gimmicky if they were you know putting it in actual Victorian era or whatever era that is. Um, but I think they did a really good job with it. Uh, they they definitely didn't make it too like too shticky but the dialogue didn't sound all like you know oh victorian this or whatever um <laughs> oh <laughs> I, I don't, I, that's that's me trying to come up Tell with who, that's me trying to come up with overly uh, overly ridiculous victorian dialogue and nailed it yeah um <laughs> which maybe the writers did too and decided that they should just talk kind of normally um but then the fact that they actually tie it into the present day sherlock storyline i just loved and it was uh it was definitely a a big swing to to do that kind of like back and forth oh it's inside sherlock's mind and stuff um and they they totally could have screwed that up royally but i for the most part i don't think they did i think i think it was a really it was a nice unexpected payoff and a way to make it not just kind of a a one-off episode but actually something that that carries you forward into the into the next series and uh it doesn't really resolve anything but definitely like makes me even more excited to see where they're going was it uh, wasn't my favorite episode but i did enjoy the fact that the whole thing basically takes place in about 10 seconds yeah like (laughs) when you when you when you play the the episode before it and then you end on this episode like 10 15 maybe 30 seconds top have like come and gone which is interesting yeah that that is true (laughs) but that's how sherlock's mind works yep joe (laughs) hey uh, so as it turns out, I am all in on American Crime Season 2. Um, just to differentiate, this is American Crime, the ABC series with Felicity Huffman and Timothy Hutton, not American Crime Story, which is yet to premiere on FX. And both of those things will probably drive people crazy <laughs> when it comes to things like SEO and knowing <laughs> what people are talking about. Don't forget about Dennis Farina in Crime Story. <laughs> Yeah. See, so it's all working. To, it's all working against you, the consumer. I hope you're happy. <laughs> um, but American Crime, I did not watch the first season, although I kept hearing good things about it, and it one turned into one of those I've missed the first five episodes, and now it's too daunting kind of things. Um, I was happy that Regina King won an Emmy. They're back for a second season. It's in a completely different story, so I can, I and you and whoever can just jump right in. Um, all of the actors are back, or at least a lot of them. Hoffman's back, Hutton, Regina King. Lily Taylor is new, doing that Lily Taylor thing that she does, where she just sort of becomes hysterical and freaks out and is actually very good. Um, Hope Davis is in it. Uh, this season's storyline focuses on, in the first episode, we find out that there was a uh, sexual assault uh, at a school party, and it's this kind of... Uh, I would say elite uh, private school certainly set off from the rest of the community that they're in. And so it's these privileged kids. And uh, the, the thing that I like about the show is it takes this very sort of holistic approach to one specific incident. And it looks at how it affects the different ecosystems around it, the parents, the students, the sort of community at large, how, this being a rich school plays into it, how it being an assault, it's an assault, I don't think it's a spoiler to say because they say it in the, the commercials, but it, the uh, it's a boy who was raped, and so like that angle of it and um, 
whether people feel like, you know, this is a different thing than when a girl gets raped. And um, it goes to all the different characters and gets their perspectives. And nobody is a really an easy villain or too easy a hero. Felicity Huffman's character <laughs> plays this, like, her first instinct is to protect the school at all times. And you think she's going to be this kind of over-the-top bad guy. But they make a good point of shading that character and deepening that character and they do that with all of them and it's actually really interesting and i've seen the first three episodes and i'm pretty well committed and i'm hoping that because it's i don't think the first season got very good ratings i think it got it was well reviewed but poorly uh poorly viewed i think but um i think this is a good chance for people to hop in on a second season with not having to have to see the first one and i hope they do Oh, Joey, got anything plugged? Oh, yeah. Um, cool. If you go to Decider.com, today I wrote, um, obviously the sad news today was that David Bowie uh, has passed away. I wrote an article about the uh, movies and TV where he, it wasn't that uh, Bowie appeared in, but his music sort of was the background music or the uh, the sort of featured performance in something like a Moulin Rouge or something um, like uh, that movie, it's kind of a funny story where they're in the uh, asylum and they perform on. Oh, pressure. that's a great scene. Yeah, I love that scene. So I got about eighteen of those. I put them together in a listicle. Um, uh, making listicles proud. That's me at decider dot com. <laughs> uh, also, for previously, I'm covering the new season of Shameless. So come and see what those godforsaken Gallagher's are up to. <laughs> it's always something with them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, it's your turn. <laughs> Yeah, Hoarders is back. Um, I am telling you that Hoarders is back because A&E seems super reluctant to admit that Hoarders is back mm-hmm. and super eager to burn off the episodes in a big hurry while telling no one. Like, yep. It's not like it's a pale shadow of its former self. All of our favorites are back. Mad Paxton is back. Super Nintendo Corey Chalmers is back. <laughs> Zazio and her frosted lipstick are back, I think. She hasn't I'm been not... back yet, but she she may we... yet. We will see. She and her pet rats are in the promos. <laughs> and our very favorite, or at least Tara's very favorite, Dorothy. Yes. They God surrendered bless. Dorothy. Thank you. Um, it, like, it's the same. It's the same font. It's the same sad misspellings of words like severance and yep. paranoia and the chirons. <laughs> Sorry to be that guy. Nope. Once an editor, always an editor. But they really are like, they're burning them off back to back, two at a time, which even intervention didn't do. Also, and it's on Sundays, which is like only the most crowded night of TV. So if you're trying to find them, it's 9 and 10 p.m. on A&E. Eastern. Yeah, which will, unless you have, you know, one of the five channel tuners, which I do not. So I'm having to pick up the 2.02 a.m. rerun on some of these. And it's not like I don't watch a long ton of the first 48 missing persons, like live on A&E at 6 p.m. <laughs> on a Sunday, for example. Uh, so I would be seeing these promos and they are just not happening. So yeah. I don't like what's the point of reanimating a beloved flattened cat corpse of a show okay that comparison sort of went uh sort of went off the rails you know what i mean why not promote it yeah can i talk a little bit about the first episode from last night's too um please do because p.s tara is covering orders extremely ably for us on previously.tv and my first act when finishing the episode is to go and look at her coverage as should yours be thank you so much so the first both of the last night's episodes were uh were 
two baggers, I guess. They both covered two porters. <laughs> two two, that's kind of an unfortunate term. Two, given. two dumpsterers. Seriously. Um, so the first lady up is Jackie. Jackie's thing is that oh. she um, lost her job through a variety of tragedies that I will not get into, but she got a million dollar severance, spelled wrong on the show. Severance. Severance. Oh, no. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Spent it, according to her children, all on teddy bears. And we see the evidence of it because they're stacked like four feet deep in her house. And in addition to that, guys, strap in. This is this is horrible, but I, you have to know. She be- has become at some point convinced that someone has been in her house 24-7 stealing her most valuable teddy bears. And the reason that she can't ever see this person is because they're hiding in the horde. <laughs> that's a true thing that happened wow and she also in order to prevent this from happening she put a padlock on a room o bears yeah and then put brightly colored duct tape over the padlock yeah and then showed the doctor that came to ch- like assess her it's like well this is very time consuming but you know i put this together and then i have to cut it open with a knife like this is an elderly woman living alone she shouldn't be cutting duct tape with knives she just shouldn't no. It was rough, you guys. It was real rough. It was really... And then finally someone explains that, like, the reason we're not confronting her on these obvious delusions, because how... Like, what are they doing with the bears? Right. And if they're there 24-7, how are they taking your bears <laughs> out of the house? And also, there's someone fucking in here. Right. Get medication. Yes. That... It, if this is the reason she's willing to clean up, they don't even care that it's because she's delusional right. and probably needs to be psych held yep they just are like whatever it's a yes let's go yeah i mean yep. not that it stays a yes for long Ugh. no but yes if if you're if if you're a hoarders fan as sarah said this the news that it's back might have 100 percent passed you by but um rectify that as soon as you can and uh all of the episodes are up on a website um if you have certain cable providers you can log in with that and if you don't and i know you i might give you my direct tv password okay <laughs> proceed sarah um, I'm pretty much done, but I did want to add that another show that is back and is promoting itself tirelessly with <laughs> its new host, Bob, is The Biggest Loser. Oh, uh, Richard Hatch is on the season so far. Mm-hmm. Um, another episode will have aired once you, by the time you were listening to this. Uh, it's sort of a like weird setup and season, and Dolvet is like Professor Mean for some reason this year, but it's mildly interesting, except that all the contestants have gotten much earlier to that drinking the Kool-Aid, I believe in me, talking head interview stage, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a bummer. Like, usually in the first couple of episodes, they're very busy trying and failing not to vom on the treadmill. <laughs> so, but they've made room in their lives to, you know, oprah to to camera, which is a little bit of a bummer, but Bob's a really good host, so if you quit in support of Allison Sweeney, uh, give it a chance, and I'm covering it at Previously.TV if you would rather just read about it. All right, quickly, I want to put in a plug for a new show discovery. If you're a fan of regular show, you owe it to yourself to check out Disney XD's Pickle and Peanut, <laughs> uh, which is, Aww. you know, a, like regular show, a show about two best friend dudes. Uh, one is a... AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. 
Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. Michael. The other is a peanut. Yep. Uh, other huh. than that, they're just sort of regular, you know, teenage-ish uh, guys. The peanut wears a red, white, and blue sweatband around the top of his peanut head. That's yeah. important, I feel. Uh, it is sort of this weird cartoon and, and real media mix. It just bounces in between things. Very weird. If you just actually just check out the theme song at the beginning, you'll get a taste for sort of the ADD-ness of it all. Um, just kind of like regular show with the kind of what the fuck quotient turned up <laughs> is sort of where yeah. pickle and peanut is yep. uh, i did a little clip this is uh peanut trying to um encourage pickle after uh pickles having a tough time uh getting things done hey pal don't give up so easily do you remember the story about banjo the beaver with winter coming banjo thought he'd never finish building that dam go on but he thought to himself, Banjo, you can do it. You just have to be a busy little beaver, and you'll finish that dam in no time. Was it a big dam? Oh, it was, pal. The biggest one any beaver had ever built. So the whole autumn, Banjo worked his little tail off. He worked day and night to finish that dam. So did he do it? Did Banjo finish the dam? No, he died. Banjo's dead. <laughs> A hunter shot most of his face off. It was oof, gross. But Banjo never gave up. <laughs> Today's tiny triumph belongs to this very podcast. It's really lovely on the occasion of our 100th episode that uh, our esteemed colleague, Melissa Locker, wrote a really lovely piece about us and our processes in The Guardian. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. Um, I would also like to add that when I speculated that Tara was a (laughs) supervillain... It came from a place of the deepest love and admiration, Oh, obviously. I 100% took that as a compliment, so thank you. I, you bet. Also, you're not wrong.
All right, that music means it is time for the canon. A particular episode of a particular show is argued for for induction into the Extra Hot Great Canon. Our guest, Nick, is making today's argument. Take it away, Nick. Okay, presented for your consideration, Season 1, Episode 10 of Flight of the Concords, the HBO series that was short-lived by American standards, but long-lived by New Zealand standards, probably. Uh, for anyone not familiar, it is a sitcom about the fourth most popular folk duo in New Zealand, and their mostly hopeless efforts to gain a following in New York City, where the show takes place. Uh, this episode is called New Fans. It's all about what happens when Brett and Jermaine get a sudden onslaught of groupies. Well, two of them, but it's way more than they've ever had before. We open on one of the band's regular meetings with their manager, Murray, who is also a deputy cultural, at cultural attache at the New Zealand consulate in his spare time. And he has some ideas for them about how to increase their coolness, as we'll hear in their first clip. Okay, so cool ideas. We've got leather jacket. That's good for the image. Mm -hmm. Where's yours? It's on my chair. All right. Uh, you could put a, a cigarette behind your ear or a pencil. No, what else have you got? Um, you could have a bit of hay coming out your mouth. <laughs> a little bit of hay. All the time? Yeah, to look cool. Isn't it? All right, question mark on that one. So, good news anyway. We've got a winner for the fan competition. Mel? Yeah, how'd you know that? Because there was probably only one entry. No, there was hundreds, actually. Really? Yep. They're all from Mel and one from Jermaine. Right. But he was disqualified. Disqualified? Yep. Why was I disqualified? Because you can't be a fan of the band. Why? It's not a good look. But I'm a fan. Yeah, but people look at the fan list and they say, oh, hang on, that guy's in the band, isn't he? Oh, he likes himself. It's not a good look. You don't see Brett on the fan list. Yeah, well, that's because I'm not a fan of the band. I'm not <laughs> a fan of popular bands. Not the Bee Gees. Pearl Jam. <laughs> So Mel, uh, Mel, who we heard about in that clip, is Brett and Jermaine's one and only fan, and she's won the fan competition, which means she gets to cook for them, which, as Jermaine points out, is a terrible prize. But uh, The band heads to their gig at a small club where they're playing for World Music Night. And by the way, the MC is played by none other than Daryl Hall of Hollow Notes. Oh, really? Is, yeah. Did you uh, not which, know that? No, I did not know that. No. I didn't even Which say is pretty anything. cool. Uh, it was also, great. Yeah. yeah. And it's also a fair representation of like the level of celebrity cameo that this show was able to score. Uh, they did do an entire episode episode about david bowie but of course they could not afford to get either david bowie or any of his music but uh that's another another one that i'd recommend checking out because uh, they they certainly do a great job of uh of using his image yep. um anyway uh so brett and jermaine take a look at all the beautiful international women who are in the club which inspires their first musical number ladies of the world and the song is one of many throughout the series that allows jermaine to deploy his awesome barry white basso profundo as we'll hear in this clip Uh, Brett and Jermaine finally do take the stage, and of course, Mel is right there in front to cheer them on, but we also see two other women who seem to be taking an interest in the band, and after they finish their approximately 30-second set, uh, these two new fans approach them and let them know that they're pretty into them, as we'll hear. Hey, we were at your show earlier. Hey. hey. I really like that one you did about how you like to rock the party. Oh, yes. I like to rock the party. Oh, you must have been yeah. really wasted when you wrote that. No. Do you mean on drugs? Oh, Yes. We were tripping when we wrote that one. Oh. That's right. We were totally whacked off. What? Whacked off? Uh, that's just a t drug term we use back in New Zealand when we're out of it. We say, oh, man, I was whacked off cool. last night. <laughs> 
at the next band meeting, Murray talks to the guys about the new email system he set up, which lets him respond to fan mail on the band's behalf. And yes, this is going to cause some problems later on. Um, but he also has some more updates to share, as we'll hear in this clip. And look at this. What's our bedroom? Yep. That's a live webcam from your bedroom. What? Fanbase loves it. Actually, Jermaine, I've had a really good response from something that happened with you when you were alone with the webcam. Do you know what that would be? I didn't know we had a webcam. Okay, well, just whatever you're doing, just be careful, all right? What are you implying? Well, if I had a webcam above my bed, sometimes I might, you know, forget it's turned on. I didn't know we had a webcam. I think I might sleep in the lounge from now on. Oh, okay. Well, here we go. There's the lounge. All right. Now, item three... The new fans. We've tripled the fan base, mm. so we need two new t-shirts made up. Who wants to take care of that? You. Okay, good. I was hoping for that. Murray, t-shirts. Uh, that, that one line, we've tripled the fan base, so we'll need two new t-shirts made up, is maybe my favorite line in <laughs> Flight of the Concord's history. Um, so now Brett and Jermaine have to go to Mel's house so she can cook them dinner, which was the prize she won in the fan competition. Except the guys also have a double date with the new fans on the same night, so they decide to bring them along to the dinner. And obviously Mel is very not thrilled with this. She doesn't even try to hide their disdain for the new fans. And when Brett goes to the bathroom, which is something he has to do every time he has a sip of beer, uh, Mel comes right in there while he's peeing so she can warn him about the new fans' true intentions, as we'll hear now. Those girls, I don't trust them, Brett. They have no interest in you as musicians. They just want to... Just want to what? They want to do it with you, Brett. Sex. Yes. And I know your policy on sexual relations with fans, Brett. I'm going to go to the bathroom now. Brett, I know... <laughs> it's just that, Brett, I, I just hope that you'll make sure that they respect your boundaries. Thank you, Mel. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wait, are you okay? Do you need any help with all? Uh, can you please leave? Oh, you, you yeah, don't need I'm any help in here? Everything's yeah. fine with you. <laughs> and the visual there of like Mel's like one eye looking <laughs> still looking at Brett as she's like closing the door is something I've tried to act out many times it's in like, my life. But it's like when Marge leaves the psychiatrist's room of the Simpsons. Low <laughs> It's like that. <laughs> Um, and the fact that the new fans want to have sex with them is, of course, great news to Brett and Jermaine, so they immediately go back to Summer and Rain's apartment. But as soon as they all sit down together, Summer and Rain say that they want to do acid with them, and Brett is not down with this, so he tries to swap his acid tab for a piece of paper, but he ends up taking the acid anyway. Gets thrown into a musical acid trip heavily inspired by the Beatles' psychedelic era. I'm not going to clip it since it's not one of my favorite songs from the show, but the visuals are pretty great, especially uh, Murray with horns. And um, so Brett, after coming out of this, goes to the bathroom to try to get a grip on things. And while he's gone, Summer tells Jermaine that she wants to have a threesome. So Jermaine hurries in to tell Brett this news. He says Brett has to leave so he doesn't hurt Jermaine's chances. And Brett decides to do him solid and excuse himself. But when he tries to do that, Summer tells him that she wants to have a threesome. So now Brett goes back to the bathroom to confer with Jermaine. And that leads to this fantastic scene, which I present in its entirety. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be at home. They want me in the threesome. What? Yeah. Well, that's not a threesome. That's a foursome. I don't know. I've never had a threesome. I don't want you in my threesome. You don't even know anything about threesomes. Have you ever had a threesome? Nearly. What do you mean nearly? I've had a twosome. Wow. What was that like? Great. I've done it several times, man. Just one of you there and then one... Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I've had a twosome. That's the, the normal way. Yes. Yeah, I've done that. I've had a one-way, but a two-way now. This is my big chance to have a three-way. You've got to go. Time. You took too long. What? You snooze, you lose, man. You're going to have to go make an excuse. So you got a driving lesson. Get out of here. 
Oh, I'm uh, sorry I have to go. I have a late night driving lesson. Summer, where's Rain? Oh, Rain went home. She didn't want to be here while we were all having a threesome. You, me... And Jermaine. Jermaine, can I have a word with you in the bathroom? Is it impolite not to do it, considering she's offered and it's her place? No, can't do it. No. I won't do it. What, you're not doing it? No way. Well, if you're not doing it, I might do it. You're going to do it? Yeah, why not? I'm going to go for it. Okay, let's do it. No, don't do it. What? Don't do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. Okay, well, I'm doing it. Let's do it. I'm not going to do it if you do it. Are you doing it? You're not doing it? No. Okay, I won't do it. Well, if you're not doing it, then I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to do it. Yeah, but if you do it and I'm not there, you back to a two-way. <sighs> yes, you're right. I think we should just go in there and say thank you and then go home. No, we'll feel obliged to do it. Let's just climb out the window and go home. Come on. And of course, when they try to climb out the window, it just leads back into the living room, thwarting their escape. And the, even though that makes no geographic sense whatsoever, it's like my favorite thing ever. Uh, so they, they do end up doing the threesome after all, because it turns out that remember how Murray was emailing fans on their behalf? Well, this is something he had already agreed to when he was pretending to be them. Uh, and in the next meeting with Murray, they guys tell him that they're not pleased with that situation, as we'll hear in our next clip. Now, what happened last night? Well, the new fans gave us illegal drugs and wanted to have a threesome with us. <laughs> Whoa, really? Hmm. That's pretty rock and roll. No, it was very awkward. We don't want to have sex with each other in the... You can't email the fans and tell them we're going to have man-man-lady threesomes. Yeah, it's not... You, can't, you just can't do that, Murray. Well, look, just to let you know, all right, that sort of behaviour is actually the norm. It's standard practice. Not for the manager to email the fans, so yep, no. you're offer a man-man-lady threesome. You'll be offered drugs, you know? You'll have threesomes, dinners. You know, you'll end up going into town in a taxi, have a couple of drugs, have dinner, have a threesome... <laughs> Go home again, have a shower, go out again, more drugs, more threesomes. Happens all the time. Uh, that's just, again, there's so many uh, clips in this. I, I would have clipped like half the episode if I could have. But um, later on, Brett and Jermaine discuss the threesome experience amongst themselves, and it sounds as awkward as you'd imagine, especially since there was a whole segment where both Jermaine and Summer took a break and Brett was just having his way with himself. Uh, so now they have lost the new fans as well as Mal, and as a gesture of atonement, Brett has to wear a sorry Mal t-shirt when he goes to bed so Mal can see it on the webcam. Uh, for me, new fans represents Flight of the Concords at its best. It really delivers on the whole series premise of a couple of guys who really want to be rock stars but are horrible at just every aspect of it and are destined to be cool and un uncool and unsuccessful. Uh, and it just runs with that in so many ways, right down to Brett saying that he's not a fan of his own band because they're not popular enough. <laughs> Um, the songs in this episode aren't the greatest. Neither of them comes close to my favorites, which are Business Time and The Rap Battle from other episodes. But uh, the dialogue and set pieces are fantastic. And this is absolutely, as I've said, one of my most quoted TV episodes of all time. Um, and it's an excellent showing for Kristen Shaw. This is kind of where she got her start on TV as Mel. Uh, we get to see her reaction to having her status as number one fan challenged. And I also didn't mention it, but this is where we learn the creepy backstory for her marriage to Doug, which is another great bit. Yes. Um, and Doug, play, played by a veteran, hey, it's that guy, da uh, David Costabile, who you've seen in many, many other things. Gale from um, Breaking, from Breaking Bad. Bad. Yep, yeah, Gale from Breaking Bad. That's probably, probably his best known thing. Um, and Sarah Burns and Heather Lawless, both uh, comic geniuses as well, are both great as the titular new fans. And of course, Ray Starby as Murray gets some of his greatest moments here as well. Um, all in all, a great showcase for a hilarious and I think underappreciated show, and I would love to see it in the canon. Shall I start? I will start. Um, 
I agree. Lots of very funny Murray stuff. Murray is at his best when he's trying to come up with new ideas because they're always terrible. And when we see him in his office, it's even better because his computer is like, even at that point, like minimum 15 years old and the keys keys are so loud when he's typing his email. And at the end, he has the piece of hay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <clears throat> that was funnier in retrospect because I watched Boyhood yesterday for the first time, and there's a whole scene where Ethan's stupid hawk is the stupid dad has a piece of hay in his mouth. Fuck that guy and fuck hay. But uh, that's just a sidebar. Um, I I wasn't, when we got to the end of this episode, I was kind of like, I don't know why he picked this one. And I was looking forward to the argument to, to hear why, but I'm not... I'm sorry to say, 100% convinced by it. I feel like there's some aspects of this episode that even though it's only eight years old have not aged that well. Like there's a moment in the ladies of the world song where there's like, they, you see that one of the ladies has a penis and sort of like, eh. I mean, <laughs> the world has changed a lot in these, this most of a decade. And like, that's not really a joke that we do anymore. Um, and similarly, there's a, when the girls are at dinner at Mel's, they're like, Hey, look, we look at this, watch this. And they make out with each other, which again is like kind of a hack joke. And, you know, I know it's a dude comedy, but that's like an especially dudish moment, even though we're not supposed to think these girls are cool or that the guys really think it's that cool, especially, but still like, it's one of those things that just sort of pulled me up short. So between that and the, the threesome foursome argument, which to me like went on quite long and, and the fact that the songs like that are not super duper memorable, this is not one that I probably would put in the canon, but I look forward to hearing what the rest of the panel thinks. Why do you go, Joe? All right. Um, yeah. Sort. Uh, Tara, you mentioned the um, the thing about the girls making out with each other, and I I tend to agree with you on that. Although I like the face that Jermaine makes whenever something like that happens in this episode, really yeah. made me laugh. Where it was just this sort of like not even a full smile, but just sort of this like brightening of his face in a way that like I just thought it was a uh, it was a funny gesture. I think with this episode i love murray and i love mel and i love i it's it's been a while since i watched this show so i can't remember whether they there were episodes where we got more of them or whether i'm just remembering them more because i liked them so much and their sort of presence on the show there's definitely more murray centric episodes i feel like there are right like he gets fired at one point and that kind of stuff um i I note that Heather Lawless and Sarah Burns are the two girls who I'm just starting to, like, realize that Sarah Burns is the same. I knew she was the the woman from this season of How to Get Away with Murder, the ADA. She's also uh, Krista from Enlightened, Amy's... uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Friend slash enemy slash whatever from Abaddon, which I totally never made that connection until, like, today. So that was very cool. Um, and Heather Lawless is in a movie that I saw at the Tribeca Film Festival called Goodbye to All That um, with Melanie Linsky. And she's very good in that. And she looks so much like Sissy Spacek that I was prepared to look her up later and find out that she's Sissy Spacek's daughter. <laughs> she's not. But, like, it freaks me out how much she looks like her. Um, I think a show like Flight of the Concords, because it only lasted 22 episodes, I think I mentioned this when we talked about an episode of Party Down for the canon, where because there are so few episodes, for me to feel like comfortable with a canon vote, I've got to be like, well, it's got to be in like the top like at least third, right? So that for something like this is like the best six or seven episodes of the show. This one felt a little middling to me. I think 
Some of it felt draggy. I wasn't super invested into the threesome foursome thing. I could have done with like twice as much Murray. I think the stuff with Mel's uh, home was interesting just because it, <laughs> there's certain ways where it felt like she lived in like a, a dwelling that could have been created in a fairy tale where there were these weird little nooks I, and In a shoe, like, totally. Yeah, totally. like I liked very the design narrow. of that. Yeah, it was very funny to me. And of course, Mel would, you know, live in a place that's sort of odd. Also, that, um, that shot down the stairs. Yes, Doug in the basement saying <laughs> yeah, he has a lot yeah. of work to do. Yeah. He's playing yeah. solitaire on his computer. Yeah. so good. And then he's just like, I'd appreciate it if you didn't tell anything to Mel. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so weird. <laughs> um, it's, I, and it's, it's something about the sensibility of the show that it's very just enjoyable to let kind of wash over you and you won't even like, it has a lot of like delayed reaction joke uh, jokes for me where like, it'll be like halfway through and because Brett said something so deadpan, it'll say like, it'll take a couple seconds for me to register. And it's a really, really funny show. I think I'm with Tara on, I'm on the fence about the episode itself. Uh, Sarah, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, But first I'd like to know what people thought I would think of this. Uh, I did not think you would care for it. Yeah, I would go with that. Huh. Yeah. I um, thought you actually I, might like it, because I think they're, the two of uh, the guys are, are, I think you would find them funny. I mean, th- this episode. I mean, I think there's, I mean, I find the, 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 the leads super charming. Yeah. And so I think you might find that too, but this particular episode, I didn't think you would care for um, interesting. Uh, I had never watched the show before. I had avoided it. The entire premise looked like the just wrong side of Twee yeah. and trying too hard. Um, like, you know, here are some funny things about trying to be a musician. <laughs> Whatever. Like, may, may I say that the opening credits probably didn't do you any favors there, too. I, I think your impression of the show was basically like what the opening credits wants to tell you, which isn't quite which what isn't the show. Accurate. Which is yeah. But yeah, but it's obviously like... Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was really expecting and I was like, you know, well, I have to go watch Flight of the Stupid Concords for the podcast. <laughs> My husband comes in later to, because he heard me laughing and he's like, is that a Flight of the Concords? I'm like, no, the cat did something funny and the cat was totally passed out. I was like, fine. It's Flight of the Concords. <laughs> um... I agree that the threesome exchange went on too long. I agree that there were things that clanked. Um, I laughed many times. I wrote down many lines. Uh, casual prince is a <laughs> yeah. useful term. Yeah, casual that I prince be using. going to the zoo. That's one of the best. Z Z top. Yes, <laughs> like, I loved Z Z top. You can see. I, I mean, it did beat poor Murray. It needed all the Murray. Uh, yeah. He is hilarious. That like piece of hay that they don't even mention. Like that was great. Um, I, yeah. I mean, maybe it is like less than the sum of its parts. Like I can see how people would feel that way. And because I had not ever seen the show before, and in fact expected to like get the viewing equivalent of a rash from watching it maybe i'm like oversubscribing how good i thought it was (laughs) like lowered expectations lead to happier living Mm -hmm. always true but uh the delivery of that'd be the bay you see i I mean i don't know i really loved it it was a fun half hour of my life dave uh well good news uh i would say that this episode for me is near the 
bottom of the list of my favorite episodes. So if you like this episode, I'm going to say you got a lot more to look forward to. Especially if you like Murray, there are for sure there mur- are, Murrayer episodes. There are, yeah, Murray has his arc where he kind of comes successful for a brief moment in time, which is very funny. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And they yeah, got a new manager. So, yeah. yeah, there is uh, some great Murray stuff. There's an episode where he gets a crush on his IT lady at the uh, consulate and he sings, which is great. Yeah, there, there, there's... For me, much better episodes of this show and and ones that um, kind of hit the mark, especially with the music, because that's one thing you miss from this episode is the songs are kind of subpar for the show here. And there are songs that are genuinely funny yeah. into uh, of themselves. Um, you could do, actually extract from the show. Nick mentioned business time is really funny. And there, there's definitely others. I mean, kind of the reason they always give for sort of ending the show is that they just couldn't keep up with the pace of writing quality songs for you know the 12 episodes or whatever they were doing a year and um you know they don't all hit but certainly ones there's there's ones that are really great i don't think this episode was really strong in that regard um so i don't have much to add as far as the jokes i think you all hit it with the 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 threesome stuff um but sarah i would say the success of this canon entry if if i may project is going to be if you like this episode i think that you've got uh some great stuff to look forward to if you dive uh, a little deeper into the series so uh all right so let's put this to a vote tara ariano what say ye Nick, I treasure you. And I feel like um, if we, you had known how, how the news was going to shake out, you might have chosen the Bowies in Space episode because that one we would have all just voted in out of nostalgia and uh, through our tears. But this one, I, I have to say no. But as I said, I treasure you. Uh, Joe Reed. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think good presentation, Nick. Thank you for uh, bringing Flight of the Concords back into my life. I think I'm going to probably go on a bit of a binge. Uh, this episode, I think, is a little bit lower middle for me, so I'm going to say no. All right, and uh, Sarah D. Bunting. With nothing to compare it to, but with the utmost respect for the fact that this um, completely changed my mind about watching and enjoying the rest of this show, I will vote yes. All right, well, I'm going to make a vote no, but with uh, the proviso that this is a very strong series overall. Yes, agreed. And uh, (laughs) if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you know, dig, dig around, because I think you got some musical treasures in your future. All right, so, unfortunately... (laughs) Light of the Concords. Season 1, Episode 10. New fans, you are not inducted into the extra hot great canon. Americans love a winner. Yeah. <laughs> and will not tolerate a loser. No. All right, everybody, it's time for the winner and the loser of the week. Sarah has our winner. I do. It's Aaron Sorkin. Sam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dick. Uh, yeah, this actually could go either way. But Sorky is set to make his directorial debut, which is a little surprising that he never directed so much as a uh, Studio 60 episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's about a high stakes poker memoir. Uh, Sorkin is also scripting the picture. And the ways in which poker stories can be annoying don't necessarily play to his strengths. Neither does writing a competent female lead. So it could get card splainy, but I think those tendencies are less pronounced in his film versus TV, and I'm interested to see what he does with the topic. Subwinner uh, TV viewers, if this means he is transitioning into feature films first time and leaving <laughs> full time and leaving TV behind forever, which would be a good call. 
<laughs> Loser. Although, Sarah, when you say that uh, his movies tend to be less like mansplaining and stuff, I think that's because a lot of directors won't let him get away with his bullshit. Mm. So when he's directing it himself, it, we may see an, a, a sudden influx of bullshit. <laughs> or he just or, writes we'll movies about guys who are like kind of spectrumy dicks anyway. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, Steve Jobs being mansplaining is not really going to surprise anyone and isn't on Sorkin. So, he, yeah, we'll see. All right, I have our loser, and it is George R. R. Martin. Uh, recently, he <laughs> announced that the next book in the F- Song of Fire and Ice series is not going to be published in 2016, which I guess is a big deal because it means the games of Game of Thrones writers are freeballing it now. They've run out of source <laughs> material. I'm not sure what that means. However, the reason that he's the loser this week is because uh, Stars had its press day at the TCA press tour last week, and um, on the Outlander, excuse me, the Outlander panel. Outlander. Um, <laughs> Diana Gabaldon, who writes the books um, and I think isn't pretty involved in the TV show, uh, made a reference to this. <laughs> they were asking her about how she keeps up with writing her book series, which is still in progress. And she said, and I quote, oh, shit, now I can't find it. <laughs> Unlike George, I write no matter where I am or what I'm doing. So shade thrown <laughs> from Diana Gabaldon to Ooh. George R. R. Martin because <laughs> she apparently has a better work ethic than him or maybe just her fisherman's caps are not as well, tight. In fairness, he has been writing the same series for 26 years, which I don't think she has. That's not the point. Get back to work. No, I don't care what George R. R. Martin does. Ouch. In fact, I have to say, I'm, I was happy when this news came out because, to me, it's important for fans to be reminded every now and then. Nobody owes them anything. Fans, take what you can get. That's true. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think the HBO people like have the general storyline. They just have to like you know, do the, uh, the detail work now in between. Yeah, I mean, honestly, points. I don't think it matters at all. I'm sure to, everyone to will be show. fine. Sure, everybody's going to get die, get raped, or something. So they yeah, just have right. to figure out the how and the why. Yep. Yep. Whoops. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, that Miss Q. That sound clip brings, brings up an interesting, up question. interesting question. Do you know what time it is? People being mad at their jobs time. <laughs> Shut up. It's game time. <laughs> I was just so upset about the latest uh, chapter in the Song of Ice and Fire not being out that I just had to. I know. Just really want to know how those Lannisters are going to, you know, work it out. You're not convincing anyone, Dave. We all know you can't read. (laughs) Both of you know I cannot read a word. (laughs) This is the eighth game time of the season. The standings are Tara and Joe at three apiece up at the top. Value guess behind them at one. Sarah's looking to get on the board today. However, Ugh. Sarah has an advantage. Remember, oh. a game time season runs until somebody hits five points. All right. Since Joe was absent last week, that was a non-regulation game time. But in addition to 500 mysterious Dave points, Sarah won our very first, as Tara was al- alluding to, steel meal. <laughs> this one-time use item <laughs> may be used after any incorrect answer by another contestant. And allow Sarah to answer the question for all the points at stake. Now, Sarah, when you want to use it, you got to jump right in there. You got to let me know because I'm not going to pause. I'm just, you just got to, you know, when you want to use it. And I'm sure it's not going to be today because it it's still a low stakes situation for you. But when you want to use it, you shout. You make yourself okay. Known. All well, right. It can this, be today if you want. He's not the boss of you. Well, I'm not the boss of you, but you know, this it's it, that was a big get. The steel meal is a big get. Yeah. I don't want to see you waste it. Um, okay. All right. This week we are playing perfectly cromulent words. 
from God. Gareth Wilson with a big assist from the crew on Twitter at EHG Assist. In today's game, we're testing your knowledge of the origins of TV uh, words all made up. Newly coined words. Okay. Neologism. We are keeping this simple. I'll read you the word and a demonstrative quote from the show. Mm-hmm. You tell me the show for a point. Okay. We have 40 questions plus a tiebreaker if we need it. So let's throw it to the person in control choosing initiative, otherwise known as Picky 3000. We will start with Sarah. All right. So we're going to go Sarah, Joe, Tara, Nick. That is our order for our Cromulent Word quiz. <laughs> All right. Are yes. we ready to play perfectly Cromulent Words? Yes, sir. You bet. All right. Yes. yes. Sarah, now remind you, we want the show. I'll read you the name and a uh, quote. The word. Uh, yeah. Sorry, the word. Smize. I've always told my girls to smile with their <laughs> eyes. We call it smizing. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Picky. That is from America's Next Top Model. That is good for a point. All right, Joe. Yes. Uh, lost my place. That was fast. Scramped. <laughs> I scramped cold water on my face. <laughs> Sorry, one more time. Scramped. I scramped cold water on my face. Oh, damn it. This sounds familiar. You know this for sure. Definitely a show you uh, watch. Sp- Bramped. I spramped cold water on my face. Is this Cougar Town? Mm. Will and Grace. Will and Grace. Oh, damn it. That was Jack. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Tara Ariano. Yes, sir. Contrabfibularities. Allow me to be the first to offer Dr. Johnson my most sincere contrabfibularities. I think it's contrafibularities. Contrafibularities. And I remember the quote. But I do not know what show it's from, so I'm going to say Futurama. Black Adder. Damn it! Contrafibularities. Uh, oh, Dr. Johnson. Yeah. Of course. Okay, Nick, here's your first. Snobesity. Yes. Um, Snobesity, when you don't know whether someone's fat or not because they're wearing a winter coat. Thank you. Ugh. I'm just going to guess Parks and Recreation. Close. Hi, Close. I met your mother. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, That's, uh, oh nice. man. All right. Let's try to uh, regain our composure, Dave. <laughs> Sarah, Reaganing, Reaganing. I've been Reaganing this whole day. Every single thing I've done has been completed perfectly, and then some. Oh, picky. I know. Um, based on that reaction, Gilmore Girls. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good guess. <laughs> Nick has the power to change answers. It's that the was... other fast talking show. <laughs> Thirty Rock. <laughs> Thirty Rock. All right, Joseph. Your word yes. is frell. You all say I'm paranoid, but it's true. No one ever frelling listens to me. Frell. God bless this job I once had where I used to edit recaps. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is Farscape. It is Farscape. All right, Tara. Yep. Schwifty. Schwifty. I try to shelter you from certain realities because if I let you make me nervous, then we can't get Schwifty. Psych. Never going to get this. It was Rick and Morty. No, I never would. (laughs) Number of Rick and Morty episodes you have watched equal one. One. Mimbo, Nick. Mimbo. He's a male bimbo. He's a mimbo. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Thank you, Picky. Seinfeld. Seinfeld is correct. 
Dan Cortese. All right, Sarah. Dan Cortese. Yep. Omni shambles. Oh, well, that's great. That's fucking great. That's another fucking thing right there. Not only you've got a fucking bent husband and a fucking daughter that gets taken to school on a fucking sedan chair, you're also fucking mental. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you are a fucking omni shambles. That's what you are. Um, I'm going to have to say Deadwood. Oh, oh good guess. Yeah. That is? Anybody? Is that the thick of it? Yeah, yeah. that's the thick of it. Yeah. That's Malcolm. For that. Never Malcolm. would have gotten that. You Did should you watch that show. Earth. It's so good. <clears throat> Joseph. Yes. Transponster. He's a transponster. <laughs> oh, God bless it. This is friends. This is friends. All right, Tara. Yep. Gorum. You saved his Gorum life. He, he still takes the cargo. Firefly? Correct. Ugh. Bring us into our first score break for Nick. <laughs> Herography. So, Herography. It works best when you pretend like you're getting tasered. It's like cool epilepsy. Glee. Correct. Wow. Nice. All right. Oh, and I still watched it. Very close game. Joe and Nick are tied with two apiece. Sarah and I are tied with one apiece. All right. Back to it. For Sarah. Frack. <clears throat> well, frankly, I don't give a flying frack whether you believe me or not. All right. <laughs> Space. Space. <laughs> oh, extra hit. <laughs> uh... Not sure which one to guess. Let's go with Battlestar Galactica. Nice. Nice. Correct. Joseph. Thanks. <laughs> w. Reed. Tanorexic. Yes. I'm Tanorexic, bro. Oh, what one show. Tanorexic. <laughs> uh, Jersey Shore? Correct. Nice. Tara. Yeah. Bippy. You bet your sweet bippy. <laughs> oh. Yikes. Um, laughing? Wow. Nice. nice. Wow. All right, Nick. Shazbot, as in Shazbot. I'm frigid. Ah, uh. uh, The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, no, no. The Simpsons used it, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah not... it is what? Mork and Mindy. Yeah, it is Mork and Mindy, but that's no. not the answer you gave. All right. No, it's not the answer I gave. Number 17. Spread Eagle. Spread Eagle. Or Sarah. Embiggen. A noble spirit embiggens the <laughs> smallest man. What? A noble uh, spirit mean, okay. embiggens the smallest man. Uh, embiggens. I don't embiggens. know this, so on the uh, idea that this always comes up in game time, even though we refuse to fucking watch it. The Shield. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, I wish the, that line were from The Shield. That's The Simpsons as everybody screams at their MP3 <laughs> players across the nation, across the world. <laughs> All right, still Joe. have MP3 players in this reality. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I'm sorry. Nice zoom. They're hand They're MP3 players. players, people. You may oh. not want to call them that, but that's what they are. Negative one Dave points for everybody who oh, laughed there. everyone, <laughs> oh, no. I think. Joe, lizzing. Yes. After seeing that show, I was lizzing uh, all night. This is also 30 Rock. This is 30 Rock. All right. Mappa. I started calling her Mappa, like Mama and Papa. This is me, right? Yep. Uh, that's transparent. It is transparent. Correct. Number 20 for Nick, Wiggins. I want to go home. This place gives me the Wiggins. Oh, Buffy. Buffy the Vampire, sir. Correct. Sarah, 
Sex Alexia. If it's a lesson in love, watch out. I suffer from a very sexy learning disability. (laughs) What do I call it, Kiff? (sighs) Sex Lexia. There was a clue in there. Futurama? Yeah! <laughs> there you go. Nice. Joe, Sarah nailing it with yes. the space question. Krizappy. <laughs> Get with the Krizappy taste of rocket fuel malt liquor. <laughs> so excellent. This is news radio. Yes. All right. <laughs> yeah. Blurg, as in ah, blurg. 30 Rock again. 30 Rock again. All right, bring us into our second score break. Here's Nick's. Congratulations! Congratulations! <laughs> you are the winner of this week's challenge. Uh, I'm gonna guess RuPaul's Drag Race. Good guess. Yeah. All right, that was our 24th question. It's Here's still our second score break. Super duper close. Joe, Nick, and I are all tied with four each. There has three. All right. Question 25 of 40. Mm-hmm. Felger carb. Felger carb. You certainly have a way of cutting through the Felger carb. This is for Sarah. Um, I'm sorry. Can you repeat it? Yeah, That's I can. Felger carb. Felger carb. You certainly have a way of cutting through the Felger carb. Uh, gosh. Yeah. Buck Rogers. Oh, that was actually a really close guess. Time period and genre, but mm. that's the original Battlestar Galactic. Oh. All right, Joe. Your word is weow. Jason, the whole weow thing is getting a little annoying. Jason. Weow. Jason, the whole weow thing is getting a little annoying. This doesn't sound familiar to me. I don't think you watched no, this No, I don't think you do. I don't know if Jason is pinging anything. Uh, adventure time. I guess it is a cartoon. Home movies. Ah. Home movies. Tara. Yep. Smeg. Oh, God. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we have in our midst a complete Smeg pot. Brains in the anal region. Oh. Uh, some other kind of space bullshit. I'm going to guess Deep Space Nine. No. Star Trek would do that. I don't know. Red Dwarf. You were right with the space bit. All right. Space! Space! Nick! Chrismuka. You better pray for a Chrismuka miracle. I used to have Chrismuka parties. That is the OC. (laughs) You are correct. Sarah D. Bunting, your word is bitch cakes. (laughs) You know, I do not blame you. If my boyfriend acted like that, I would go absolutely bitch cakes. Here's something that actually kind of took off in the world after that. A little bit. Bitch cakes. Bitch cakes. I, uh, I'm going to kick myself when it is not this, but um, Dawson's Creek. Mm. Good guess. News radio. Uh. News radio. Joe. Yes. Uh, sploosh. <laughs> you got to give him a, yeah, got to give him a sploosh. And or cacao, uh, frisky dingo. Oh shit! No, I was thinking of the other one. Fuck. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. I was thinking, thinking of boosh. Yeah. Boosh. Boosh. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, sploosh is Archer. is Archer. Archer. Oh, that's gonna cost me. Mm, interesting. All right, Tara. Yeah. Lembasted. Pow! I've been lembasted. Uh, ah. My old Xbox Live name. Yeah. Lembaster. Uh, this is better off Ted. 
Correct for one point. <clears throat> Nick, Spongeworthy. Then I just couldn't decide if he was really Spongeworthy. <laughs> that is uh, Seinfeld once again. Correct. Uh, Sarah, here's something that I believe came up in last week's episode, if I'm hmm. not mistaken, or a mini. Cockamouse. So which is oh, yeah. it? A cockroach or a mouse? It's a cockamouse. <laughs> oh my god. I my mind just completely emptied of TV shows. Yeah. Um, I can't give you this clue. Not orders. yet an answer. Not yet an answer. The show. She said hoarders. Um, oh. I don't know. <laughs> Incorrect. It is, Tara? How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. Correct. Mm. Uh, Joe? Yes. And now Rapist. You're forgetting that I was a professional twice over, an analyst and a therapist, the world's first and now rapist. This is Arrested Development. <laughs> Tara. Yeah. Number Wang, as in that's Number Wang. <laughs> that Mitchell and Webb look. <laughs> Correct. Nick. Robosexual. If robosexual marriage becomes legal, imagine horrible things that will happen to our children. Then imagine we said those things since we couldn't think of any. As a mother, those things worry me. <laughs> Uh, hmm. I'm going to guess Futurama. You yeah, guessed yeah. correctly. All right. Wow. All right. So that was our 36 question. Everybody's got one question left. Uh, all right. Sarah's got three. Uh, Joe's got five. I've got six. Nick's got seven. All right. So Done. the game is not over yet. There is a possibility to force a tie here. Mm-hmm. Sarah Bunting. Yes. Are you ready? Probably. <laughs> Your word is fishism. Make enough money and everything else will follow. Quote me. That's a fishism. Allie McBeal? Hey! Yep. Oh. <laughs> I was like Barney Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better, but yeah. All right, Joe. Yes. I hope I'm saying this right. Bovered. Am I bovered? Look at me. Am I bovered? B O V V E R E D. Tough huh. one. Bovered. Am I bovered? Jesus Christ. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. Mm. Tough one. That's the Catherine Tate show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Probably the hardest one on the on the game. Yeah, I was I'll not going to get that. All right. Uh, Tara. Mm-hmm. Chaz Wazers. What? That's an odd name. I would have called them Chaz Wazers. Uh, is this The Simpsons? Yep. Is it? That's it's how, The Simpsons. Yeah. Well, uh, you decided like you, you weren't sure. Uh, yeah. All right. That means it's a tie at the moment. <laughs> that is true. Nick. You got to get okay. this one, Nick. Get this for On the behalf win. of valued guests everywhere. I know. It's all riding on me. Your okay. word is flonkerton. So who will be challenging Kevin in flonkerton? <laughs> oh, what show is Kevin on? Um, you know this. Yeah, we need to talk about Kevin. It's not we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> Ew. Not a show, but should be. The animated series. <laughs> oh, uh, I, the think, I think Kevin's on Arrow. He just got it. The Office. That is correct. Valued guest. Congratulations. Hooray for Stalling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks, Brain. Good job, Nick. 
that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We took a seat in the parlor and rang the service bell for the start of Downton's last season. <laughs> and resident awardsmith and oddsmaker Smooth Joey Apollo stopped by to run down the Golden Globes. The blotter joined in the hunt for John Wilkes Booth before we went around the dial with stops at Andrew Trebekah, Sherlock, American Crime, Hoarders, and Pickle and Peanut, and celebrating a tiny triumph for the podcast itself, courtesy of The Guardian. We decided Nick's Canis mission for Flight of the Concord's new fans was too off-tune for induction. But against uh-uh. all sense, crowned a winner in Aaron Sorkin in Winners and Losers of the Week. <laughs> and Nick was the winner of this week's perfectly cromulent game time. Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano. Step in front of a lorry, Edith. <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting. That's because I'm not a fan of the band. Joe Reed. Well, if Lady Mary says so. <laughs> and Nick Ryan Jones. I am very close to losing right now. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great. You suffer from cervical incompetence. <laughs> Fight a nickel. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you. And by the way, just getting a getting a yes vote from Sarah is is probably worth the like I the, I value that as much as a yes from everybody else. So. <laughs>